A farmer's time is valuable. That's why Blaine's Farm and Fleet has made shopping for your must-haves quick and easy. Simply order online at farmandfleet.com and pick up your items in just one hour in their convenient drive-thru. Or try Farm and Fleet's same-day local delivery option. 1670 AM. If your workout includes baling hay and pitching pens, then you'll be comfortable right here. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Hey, it's Tuesday. Good morning, Aaron Zimmerman here with you on the Midwest Farm Report this morning. I can tell it's just a little bit warmer this morning than it was yesterday morning, but hopefully those temperatures continue to rise, but it does look like we're going to see some precipitation. We'll find out from Stu Mock, Ag Meteorologist, in just a little bit on that weather forecast. If you're in need of a new breeding bull for your beef cows, then Platteville may be the place to be this weekend, where the Wisconsin Beef Improvement Association is holding their 65th annual bull test sale. I had the chance to talk with Alan Arndt, president of the WBIA Bull Test, to find out a little bit more about the program and what they have to offer. Then later on, since it's a Tuesday, we'll catch up with our friend John Heinberg, broker with Total Farm Marketing, to see what things are going on in our commodity markets and what's affecting them, and get his take on what things are looking like going forward. Plenty to get to this morning. Let's get things kicked off here on Tuesday, March 29th. Steffes Group is conducting the Sheboygan County, Wisconsin Dairy and Farmland Auction near Sheboygan, Wisconsin. This timed online auction closes Tuesday, April 5th at 1 p.m., selling 252-plus acres to be sold in five tracks. Tract 1 has a modern dairy facility, a house, and other outbuildings. Tract 2 has a single-family home. The other three tracks feature farmland acreage. Go to steffesgroup.com right now for drone photos and complete descriptions for this auction near Sheboygan, closing Tuesday, April 5th. That's S-T-E-F-F-E-S group.com. Agriculture Secretary Randy Romanski at the Wisconsin Department of Agriculture, Trade, and Consumer Protection started what a lot of people think is a good thing, the Wisconsin Ag Youth Council. Bob Bosel here at the northern end of the world's longest barn. And uh, the council now is a couple, two, three years uh, older and moving forward. And Aaron, you've got an update on what the council does and what it's all about and how youth can get involved. Yeah, I did, Bob. Aaron Zimmerman here at the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison. And like you said, I got to talk to Secretary Randy Romanski all about the program. And when we were talking, I actually joked with him that I wish that this was something that was around when I was in high school, because it's something I definitely would have got involved in. They work on bringing together some of the biggest leaders in Wisconsin agriculture, giving students the chance to learn more about the industry, learn more about careers and network with each other. It's been kind of a rough start as they started it right in the pandemic, but he said that using virtual meetings and getting to do the best that they can to provide for these students has allowed these students to get more opportunities. He said he's excited that the applications for this year are due on March 31st, so those students, if you want to get involved, make sure they get that done right away, but he tells me a little bit more about the program and why he encourages students to get involved. Sure, thanks, Aaron. Yeah, this is a this is a new program. We just started it. It's, it's, now it's, it's going to be entering its third year. And the goal is of the Wisconsin Agriculture Youth Council is to encourage young people to engage in increasing their awareness of how all parts of agriculture work together, understanding the, uh, the career opportunities that are out there in agriculture in Wisconsin and just uh, having them, giving them an opportunity to grow their knowledge and, and uh, network with each other. Here's the reason. I mean, uh, what we're hoping is this really bright group of young people 
are uh, are going to see themselves as part of the future of Wisconsin agriculture. Well, and I'm glad you kind of you know bring up the fact that you're looking at all aspects of agriculture because one other thing that you had mentioned is you also kind of want to through this program allow students to learn a little bit more about also what the Department of Ag does and things on the state government level as well. That's right. It's, it's important that they understand that no matter where they uh, find themselves in the future in, in agriculture in Wisconsin, and again, I hope it's in Wisconsin, uh, is that they also have a better awareness of how DACAP and government interactions uh, play into the, the industry in the, in the state of Wisconsin. So agriculture is a $104.8 billion industry here. Uh, one in nine people in Wisconsin are working in a job related to agriculture. Many of them uh, maybe grew up in agriculture uh, in Wisconsin or maybe elsewhere. But what we're seeing more and more now, Aaron, is that people may not have had, they may not have grown up on a farm, but they were interested in science or they were interested in math or they were interested in in, uh, animal health. And as a result of that in Wisconsin, there's a great avenue, I would say a pipeline for them to get engaged in the industry. And this, this Wisconsin Ag Youth Council is just a way that we can connect them to what their uh, career, uh, their agriculture-related career opportunities might be right here in the state of Wisconsin. For sure. You know, now, and let's, I guess, dig into some of those details of some of the things that this youth council is actually doing. Obviously, you know, kind of once you were starting to kind of get some momentum and get this thing kicked off, then we were blindsided by the pandemic and kind of set some things back. Obviously, you probably had to do some more things virtually and and those kind of things. But now, I guess, that we're kind of, you know, getting out of the pandemic, hopefully here, and things are changing. Let's talk about some of the opportunities the students have, maybe, you know, some of the thing, new things that are going to be happening, more opportunities that you're going to be putting into the program to really prepare students for those careers, as you say. Yeah, it's, it, you're right, uh, Aaron, when we when we started this off. So, again, this is we're about to start year three. We just, uh, we just opened the applications, and it, all of the meetings have been virtual. Now, one of the things I'll say about that, Aaron, is is it does afford the students a chance to to really focus on their role on the council. What we found is that the the young people who have been selected in the past, we we assume this will happen in the future too, are extremely busy. They're high. They're highly motivated. They're engaged in a lot of activities, and and they're in their senior year in high school. So, actually, having the the meetings virtual for the ter- first two years has, I think, helped. Uh, make sure that they can all make it to all the meetings because they they can hook up virtually. And, a, and what we're seeing a lot of times on the screen is they're at school and they jump off the call and they're heading to their first hour class. And so the virtual format, I think, has allowed us some opportunities to make sure that we uh, can get good ongoing participation. And then, you know, it, it means that they don't necessarily have to travel down here the, the night before and then travel back. As busy as they are, I think what we've learned is that virtual platform has worked pretty well for them. Uh, we may look at what that uh, what that means going forward, but for, for right now, we're planning to continue that uh, that practice as as we move forward. So the important thing to note is that what we do there are, uh, for those who might not know, there are 15 members on the council, uh, and we have a goal of having at least have one member from each of the nine council districts in Wisconsin. So. Some of, some of the uh, council members are from pretty far away, and we want to let them know that where they live in Wisconsin 
shouldn't affect whether or not they're eligible to participate in this. In fact, we want participation from all over the state, and we want to deliver these council activities in a way that works for all of them. Now, I'm glad you bring up the fact that, you know, these are some of the top tier students in Wisconsin, you know, that are getting onto this council, because I think it's not only a cool thing to, you know, learn a little bit more about Wisconsin agriculture, about the Department of Ag, getting involved with things, but also them just getting to interact with other, you know, highly motivated, high achieving students like themselves. I think, you know, surround yourself with positive people, positive things happen. Let's talk a little bit, you know, about even your application process is so competitive to get into this uh, youth council as well. It is a competitive process. So as as uh, young people look at this, we first of all, we do encourage anybody to apply. The application deadline runs through March 31st of this year. But just a little bit about that application process, Aaron, as you indicated, it, it's competitive. So uh, we're asking uh, we're asking students to uh, include a brief essay. Uh, they have to do a one minute video and uh, a letter of recommendation, and uh, and you know we will uh, review the applications and get back to people relatively quickly. But I wanted to I wanted to agree I, I agree with your reference point there about you know getting uh, young, bright, highly motivated people engaged in conversation with each other. Here we have young people from all across the state with varying backgrounds. And, and that's a good thing. That mix of, of backgrounds is, is healthy for these discussions we have, and it's healthy for the agriculture industry. Uh, it's really exciting to see them gel with each other. Uh, we try to have uh, breakout groups and let them work together on, on topics, that, that uh, issues that we bring up, uh, where they problem solve and work together to try and identify what solutions might, might look like. And that's really, it's fun to see them working together like that. And, you know, again, my hope is sometime down the line in the future, this bright young group of people is finding themselves working together to move agriculture forward in the state of Wisconsin. I guess, again, let's, you know, review for those that may be interested, that want to get involved. You told us what they have to do. Where can they go to find more information if they're wanting to, to kind of submit their stuff? And then, you know, again, let's review that deadline again for those interested in applying. You bet. So for those who are interested, I encourage people to go to agyouthcouncil.wi.gov. And that's, that'll, that'll give you the application information and any additional information about the program should you have questions. We're accepting uh, applications from now until March 31st. So I encourage people, don't wait. Get your application in early. And for anybody who's just kind of sitting on the fence thinking, well, you know, what, 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 are, what, what might I get out of this? Here are the goals that we kind of identified for the youth council and, and the members. Number one, we want to highlight agricultural-related career opportunities uh, that are available in Wisconsin, including those in government. Number two, we want to we want to share tools that are available to support Wisconsin farmers in agriculture. Uh, number three, we want to provide uh, insights on how to effectively engage in state agricultural policy development. That's an important part of moving agriculture forward too. And then finally, we want to increase networking opportunities for, for the council members across the agricultural industry and as we were talking earlier with each other. Definitely sounds like some really, you know, great positive goals and an awesome opportunity. Well, is there anything else that you'd like to add for people who might be interested or want to know more before they, you know, start applying for this youth council? Sure. One of the things we've done, Aaron, that's been really uh, well received by the council members,
numbers, and, and we see it as a tremendous value add, is that we've done what we like to call office hours. And uh, last year, we were fortunate to have uh, the fabulous farm babe, Pam Yonke, uh, serve on one of the office hour panels, where this is one of those things where uh, we pick a morning where we have people from the industry who are willing to sit on a panel and answer questions or talk to the council members about how they got into their jobs and what agriculture means to them and how they tell the story of agriculture. And that's a really uh, fun part of this as well. People from the industry right now are willing to give back and be on these industry panels to talk to the Ag Youth Council members. And you can just see the, the council members' eyes brighten up a little bit about, oh, I, I didn't know I could get into that career path in Wisconsin agriculture by that route. Or they might say, "Oh, okay, I, I see this. I, I'm not from I'm not from a farm, but I'm always I've always kind of been interested in in uh, natural resources or animal health." And they see, "Oh, there could be a path. Oh, wow, here's a pathway for me to agriculture in Wisconsin." And so it's really we really appreciate the, the industry being willing to kind of share these moments with the council members because it's. It's uh, a council that we've set up, and we uh, want to make sure that we're, we're looking at things from the policy and regulatory uh, platform, but it, it really gives another layer of added benefit when we have people from the industry who come in and have uh, these really honest conversations about, here's, here's the way to think about your potential agricultural-related career path down the line, and I can see, I can see the, the interest growing with this group. It's, it's pretty exciting. Yeah, that sounds super cool. Well, again, here with Secretary Randy Romanski talking a little bit about the Wisconsin Agriculture Youth Council. Again, if you're interested in applying, you can find out more online, and the applications are due on March 31st. It's a great opportunity for students to learn a little bit more about Wisconsin agriculture, develop their leadership, and have another opportunity. From the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison, I'm Aaron Zimmerman. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. You can rely on Blaine's Farm and Fleet for quality products at fair and honest prices, like Peak All-in-One Windshield Wash. It gives you spot-free cleaning with water repellent technology to improve visibility. A gallon, just $2.49. Measure twice, cut once with a Milwaukee tape measure, now 20% off. Get it done with the easy MIG-180 welder from Lincoln Electric. Ideal for farm, light fabrication, auto, or home projects. Now $100 off. Keep your engine running smooth and clean with JT8 Super Heavy Duty Diesel Oil. A 5-gallon pail just $59.99 after $20 mail-in rebate. Plus, rewards members receive double points. Save on auto darkening welding helmets from KT. Available in a variety of prints. Your choice, $69.99. Plus, check out this great doorbuster deal. Pick up a Milwaukee M18 Compact Drill Impact Driver Kit on sale $179.99. And visit us at the Midwest Horse Fair in Madison, Wisconsin, April 22nd through 24th. Find value at Blaine's Farm and Fleet. Are you fairly fit but would love a little edge up? Are you entering middle age with a slowing metabolism and weak core? MSculpt may be your answer. A skincare minute with skincare expert Michelle Neeson. Rejuvenation Clinic of Sauk Prairie is proud to be one of the first clinics in the area to offer this new muscle building technology called MSculpt. It's approved for building and toning abs, arms, butt, thighs, and calves. MSculpt works. 
one 30-minute treatment can be equivalent to 20,000 crunches or 20,000 squats. It's safe, effective, and painless with virtually no downtime. Sound too good to be true? Visit Rejuvenation Clinic of Sauk Prairie to learn more. Let your natural beauty shine through. View our specials at rejuvenationclinicofsaukprairie.com. Hang on to your tractors. Here's another update. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Time now for our ag weather update here on a Tuesday morning here with Stu Mock, ag meteorologist. Now, Stu, you know, yesterday ended up being a pretty nice day, but, uh, you know, that precipitation looks like it's coming here and staying for a while. It is going to move in here, right, Aaron? I mean, we talk about an okay start this morning. Nice temperatures, a little more mild than we should be, but low pressure is out in the Rockies, Colorado, moving toward western Kansas, Nebraska. That low is going to move up toward southeast parts of Nebraska late today and push up toward southwest Wisconsin as we make our way on toward late Wednesday, early Thursday. It's going to mean rain, and at times even a thunderstorm as it gets going, as cold air builds in with it, that rain could very well start to mix with or change to snow. There may be some icing up into north-central Wisconsin. Old Rapids, Marshfield, Wausau late tonight, early tomorrow. And I'd expect some snow, even uh, mossed into La Crosse, could have a couple of inches as we make our way to Thursday. I'll have forecast details right after this. Farmers understand return on investment. They understand the power and the value of the sun. Cameron Olson, owner of Olson Solar Energy. This is just another opportunity for them to look for that power and that value. It's a business decision. Everything that farmers do and don't do on their land and their with their property is money. <laughs> so one of the things that I heard one farmer say, it's a crop that I am yielding. <laughs> uh, instead of harvesting corn on this little section, he's harvesting sunlight to make electricity. You should reach out to us and we will come out there for a very specialized, specific quote for you to look at your farm. We can put solar anywhere. We can put it on a barn. We can put it on the ground. We can put it on a hill. <laughs> so we can put it anywhere that makes sense to you and your farm and your situation. And then once we design that, even powering your whole farm, you can harvest enough sunlight to have a $0 energy bill. Go to OlsonSolarEnergy.com to start saving. Go green, save green with Olson Solar Energy. Your soil is your farm's greatest asset. Every season is an opportunity for both short-term profit and long-term improvement. The Midwestern BioAg Way optimizes yields, soil fertility, and sustainability, nurturing your greatest asset. Midwestern BioAg offers biological fertilizers to optimize yields during the growing season, all the while building healthy soil for the future. To learn what a Midwestern BioAg program can do for you, visit MidwesternBioAg.com. Midwestern BioAg, better farming through better soil. Alrighty, Stu, let's see what's ahead in our forecast for the rest of the week. All right, a pretty okay beginning today, but skies will become mostly cloudy, and by late afternoon, especially in the west and central parts of the state, there may be a shower trying to develop. A lot of upper 30s, a few low 40s, southeast winds strong, 10 to 20, even gusting to 30. Overnight, more likely showers or even a thunderstorm. Like I said, some icing up into north-central Wisconsin. Temps drop into the lower 30s, 33, 34 degrees. Southeast winds 15 to 30. Should say warming as well toward La Crosse and Mauston later tonight. Cloudy tomorrow, showers, storms, 
Maybe a little snow mixing in late in the day. A mild one, though, in the upper 50s. South winds at 5 to 15. Cloudy with a little snow then, or a rain-snow mix tapering off through Thursday. Upper 30s for highs. Northwest winds gust to 25. I mentioned La Crosse and Mauston could see a couple of inches of snow. I think the rest of us to the east a little lighter, less than an inch, but to some wet weather. And then sounding a little wintry, at least toward the end of the week. We dry it out, warm it up already by Friday, Aaron, so it sounds better then. Sounds good. Sounds like we need to get out those rain boots and winter jackets again for just a few days, and then we'll be able to enjoy as it gets hopefully nicer than that. That's right. Well, we add some more moisture, so let's look at the high side. All righty. Sounds good. Well, again, that's Stu Muck, Ag Meteorologist, with our Ag Weather Update here on a Tuesday morning. Talk to you later, Stu. Bye now. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. I've had the opportunity to be involved in several programs in the Wisconsin Farm Bureau, one of which was the Farm Bureau Institute. It's a great leadership program to help develop leadership skills, whether it's social media skills or the opportunity to speak to legislators and learn different ways and tools you can use to help get your message across. WFBF.com. They've really helped my leadership development. A voice for farmers, a vision for agriculture. Wisconsin Farm Bureau. Rural Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. Wisconsin winters are a polarizing experience. You either love them or you want to leave them. Be sure to enter the Rural Mutual Insurance Love It or Leave It sweepstakes, where each week you can win prizes by voting for the things you love and dread about winter. Visit us at RuralMutual.com to vote. Rural Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. We all make choices. When it comes to alcohol, Kids make choices whether to drink or not. Bye, Dad. Bye-bye. Remember, I'm going to Alex's party tonight and sleeping over. Hey, Em, have a seat for a second. Remind me about that party again. Alex is just and adults make choices whether to talk about it. That's true of parents and every other trusted adult in a kid's life. Kids want to know our expectations when it comes to alcohol and other drugs. They want guidance and honest answers to their questions. And it makes a difference when the message is consistent and part of everyday conversations. So talk with your kids and help lead them on a positive path. Because when you talk, they hear you. For more information about talking with your kids about underage use of alcohol and other drugs, visit underagedrinking.samhsa.gov. At Tom's Auto Center, we like to say we're the getter fixed, getter done to get you going, guys. Because we're one of the largest independent auto shops in the area. Tom and Tom of Tom's Auto Center. With 12 bays and a lively group of highly skilled mechanics, we're able to do just that. Tom'sAutoCenter.com. Tom's Auto Center. We're the getter fixed, getter done to get you going, guys. Off Highway 51 in McFarland, a stone's throw from McDonald's. When you're shopping around for a pre-owned vehicle, you know what you want. 
a shiny, fun-to-drive ride that won't let you down. But how do you know if it's reliable? A Wisconsin State inspection is 60 points, which means checking 60 things. Most dealerships follow that playbook. Bergstrom Automotive isn't exactly what you would call most dealerships. Bergstrom performs a 172-point inspection on all pre-owned vehicles before they're even chosen to be on the lot. 172. That's 112 more areas where the vehicle needs an exam. With that much attention, you know they're looking at parts and pieces you probably didn't even know exist. Do the math. A 60-point inspection or 172. And all to make sure you're safe, confident, and happy with your pre-owned purchase. Choose from over 1,500 elaborately inspected pre-owned vehicles at Bergstrom Automotive. Join the Bergstrom Auto Family. Is your biggest fear of having dermal filler in the face looking overdone? You are not alone. A skincare minute with skincare expert Michelle Neeson. Dermal filler treatments at Rejuvenation Clinic of Sauk Prairie restore fullness and fill in wrinkles in areas of the face, such as the cheeks, under eyes, lips, and around the mouth. It's very difficult to look overdone with non-surgical dermal fillers due to the amount that's typically injected. Did you know that one syringe of filler equals one-fifth of a teaspoon? One fast food ketchup packet is equivalent to eight syringes. As long as your treatment is performed by a skilled medical professional, you should have the natural looking results you desire. Let your natural beauty shine through. Visit us at rejuvenationclinicofsaukprairie.com. When we say we're the concrete producing company that contractors rely on, it's because they know we produce our own superior ready-mix products that endure the Wisconsin elements, and our family stands behind the long-lasting performance. Add one of our unique products to your next project. The concrete producing company, the contractors rely on advanced concrete. Producing concrete foundations to maintain concrete relationships. Don't get too high, don't get too low about spring training. Um, and Rowdy was just talking about before we uh, were calling you about every Brewers pitcher essentially getting rocked to start spring training. Is that something we should be concerned about or, is, or besides Josh Hader? No, or, no, not at all. Because here's the thing. And every one of these guys is, is in, you know, a new place. Like last year, obviously, Burns knew he'd be in the starting rotation. Woodruff knew he was going to be in the starting rotation. Freddie had a pretty good idea he was going to be in the rotation. But, you know, guys like Hauser, guys like Lauer, they didn't know where they were going to be. Um, this year, everyone's coming into camp. Pretty much your five guys know that they're going to be in the rotation. They're not pitching for a job, so to speak. Or they're not pitching for a roster spot, so to speak. They know where they're going to be on opening day. So pitchers in spring training that know what they're doing, that know where they're going to be on opening day, they're not going out there and trying to pitch their A game their first couple assignments. The first couple assignments are, are are basically like remembering how to like warm up in a game situation, <laughs> remembering what it's like to see a batter um, that's not wearing your own team's uniform or a little league uniform. And then three, and we've seen this with Josh Hader in the past and, and Corbin Burns in the past, it's what do you use? It's the time that you use to try a new pitch, something that you've been working on over the winter. You don't know if it's going to make your arsenal during the season. But now is the time when you can experiment a little bit. We saw we saw Josh Hader do that with the slider in the past, and we've seen Burns, you know, do that and refine his changeup and some of his off-season stuff. So 
you know, a lot of these guys are just going out there and trying to expand their repertoires right now. The repertoire. And usually it's like not until the last, you know, two or three starts. And it's obviously different this year because it's a short spring, but you're not going to see guys going out there and, and throwing anywhere close to 100%, even 75% until the lights come on and, and on April 7th. Yeah, and I think my biggest takeaway from videos that I've seen and, and highlights and stuff, all the guys seem to have their velocity and all the guys seem to have about the same amount of break on a lot of the pitches that they've thrown, like breaking balls. Not worried. Yeah. yeah. It, you know, guys guys get a lot. And remember, too, I mean, there, there are a lot of division guys and a lot of NL guys down there, so you're not going to go out there and, like, give them a book early on. You know, they played the Dodgers. They, they play the Cubs. You play the, the White Sox and – in interleague play, so you're not going out there and giving your A stuff. And again, especially if you've got if your spot on the roster is all but locked, you're going out there to refine, to work on your mechanics, to add some new pitches, to tinker with grips. I mean, we're seeing Devin Devin Williams, you know, work on one some new stuff this year. So it's called not it's punching the wall. Experiment. There's yeah, there's very there. very few people that I actually like to should hit keep Rock. an eye on during spring training because, like you said, it's like the Burns and the Woodruffs of the world, they already have their spot. But then on the complete flip side of that, I'm not really too concerned with what like Sal Freelich does because he's a guy that's not ready for the big leagues, even though he might have a couple hits in one game. He's he's not ready for that show yet. It's kind of like those fringe guys that I like to keep an eye on, like Ken Keston here, stay yes, high. Daddy, can, he, can he steal yeah. a roster yeah. spot? It, it, those are the type of guys that you have to like really – pay attention to is because especially in only three and a half weeks if yeah. someone gets really hot like Keston Hira stays hot you might want to keep him on the roster just to let his bat uh continue to play because it's tough to well I guess we have seen Stearns send him down when he's been red hot but uh I think you get what I'm saying well hey real quick yeah, absolutely real, real quick Andrew before you and, go and on don't forget don't forget there's two there's two extra spots to open the season this year now before we go into Kesson here a little bit uh there was a time when Kesson got called up to the majors was super hot uh and then he was sent down and this is goes back to your little brother Rowdy when you the big brother take him to the ballpark he's no stranger to letting Stearns know what's up so Rowdy when we were there uh first we were fighting Girl Scouts we were chirping at some Girl Scouts briefly and then Rowdy made a sign it said I mean, what did it say? Stern's on notice? Bring what? What, what is? <laughs> yeah, it was it was Stern's on notice. It was all about here. Why the bring, hell is Shaw still striking out? Bring Keston back. Stern's on notice. I kid you not. I got flipped off. Told I was an idiot. And those are just by the Girl Scouts. And then after that, as we were coming home on the party bus in our drunken stupor, the news came through. More evidence that everyone listens to the show and watches what we do. David Stearns brought Keston here back up after Rowdy at the ballpark told him he was on notice. How about that, dude? Yeah, I know. Every time, every time, like right before the trade deadline, usually with a couple minutes to go, Stearns calls me up and says, hey, what do Ebo and Rowdy think I should do? And I usually fill him in, and that's when he makes like his final deals. Like yeah. right before the lockout this year, he called me up and said, hey, what 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 would Evo think about trading JBJ? Well, they, well I know what he said. I know what you said because you're you're an intelligent man and you listen all the time. This like they said they can't stand the guy. Ship him out. Rough hands, dirty boots, and farming roots. It's all we know. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Hey, it's Aaron Zimmerman back here with you on the Midwest Farm Report this morning. And if you're in need of a new breeding bowl to cover your beef cows this summer, then you may want to head to Platteville, Wisconsin this weekend, where 71 lots of bulls of multiple breeds will sell as part of the Wisconsin Beef Improvement Association's annual bull test sale. For 65 years, the WBIA has held the bull test 
putting bulls from different breeders around the state on feed, collecting data, and providing customers with quality animals. I had the pleasure of talking with Alan Art, president of the WBIA Bull Test, to learn a little bit more about the program, see how they've changed and adapted over time, and what they're excited to provide their customers this Saturday. Well, Wisconsin Beef Improvement Association has been operating a bull test since 1957. Um, if my math is right, I think this is our 65th year. They've been in Platteville since 1970. And the idea being that if we take a bunch of bulls from a bunch of different locations and throw them in one group, the ones that do best are the ones that are best. And so it's, a, it's an opportunity to eliminate some variables and see how your cattle compare to somebody else's cattle. And it provides a wonderful opportunity for people who want to buy bulls to come in and have a selection to pick from. Definitely. Well, and I think one cool thing too that, you know, you could even say to potential customers or even just to people that are wondering about it is you also, you know, they come from all different breeders, but you have all kinds of breeds, all kinds of different bulls that come in too and, you know, go on feed. Yeah, that's a true statement. Um, we've predominantly, over the years, we've kind of shifted toward more Angus bulls than other breeds, but there's a number of red Angus bulls there. Sementals have had a good contingent. There's even a couple Pold Harfords and a Charlet there this year. So we'll take whatever people want to bring and put them in the group and see how they do. And it, it's a wonderful opportunity because we sort those bulls so hard. They're screened on confirmation when they come in. They're constantly watched over and we screen them for confirmation on the way out. Um, we have a threshold model. If you don't gain to the desired pro projected ration, you're not gonna make the sale. And then we've got a semen evaluation. Uh, there's, there's plenty of opportunities to call and weed and to sort through them. And the set that we provide on sale day has been gone over and gone over and gone over and they should go home and be reliable bulls. That's awesome. And I'm sure that's something too your customers appreciate because they want to know they're getting a quality bull that's going to come home and do the job. Now, talking about those, you know, sorting through the bulls, deciding what, you know, how, who makes the sale and where they're going. You mentioned actually that you've kind of adapted and changed some of the way that you've done that to continue getting the most quality bulls possible. Yeah, we used to use a competitive model where if we tested 100 bulls, when you nominated your bull, you knew that only 66 were going to make the sale. The top two-thirds by gain index, the ones that grew the fastest and gained the most, made the sale. The ones that didn't gain as fast as the top two-thirds went back home to get to whatever the consigner wanted to do with them. The difficulty we had there is we had some really fantastic bulls in that bottom third that were gaining four and a half or five pounds a day that didn't make the sale. And we had some really big, great gaining bulls in the top half that maybe weren't quite what they ought to be in soundness and longevity. So it was very expensive to send those bulls to the test and then take them back home. And it was disappointing, I think, for some, some buyers to buy maybe one of those better doing bulls that didn't hold up the way he wanted them to. So we've kind of combined those two. We've eliminated the bottom and gone to the threshold model. If you gain like we expect you to gain, that's all we can ask. And then we sort them on confirmation. Um, so you can come in, pick a calving ease bull if that's what you're looking for, pick a growth bull if that's what you're looking for, pick a balanced trait bull if that's what you're looking for, pick the breed you like. They're all there, all the data's collected. We've got carcass data, we've got frame scores, we've got birth weights, weaning weights, yearling weights. It's all in the catalog and it's all there for you to use. You are a cattle breeder yourself and a consigner to the sale as well as, you know, helping with coordinated and all those kind of things. From a breeder's perspective, what does it take, I guess, to get a bull that's going to be successful in the sale? What kind of, I guess, investment too do you make in these bulls going to the test to really, you know, help them succeed and for you, you know, ultimately make money in the end too and get a happy customer that takes home one of your bulls? Well, the thing about a bull test is 
you can't kid yourself that your cattle are as good as you think they might be. You load them up and you take them over there and they either swim or they don't. And then you find out pretty quickly if you're making the cut or not. Um, so that, that's been, it's been a real opportunity to improve the herd at home by having bulls in the test. Uh, in addition to that, you find out what's marketable and what's not. And my particular breed used to be horned yellow and spotted and, and you don't see those anymore because nobody wants to buy those anymore. So um, you find out what's marketable, you find out how good your competition is, you gotta decide if you wanna spend the money and the resources and the time to try to compete. And there's very little overnight success. You gotta grind it out to make it work. So now over the years, I guess, uh, have you seen from a breeder's perspective and a buyer's perspective, I guess, on both ends. Have you seen the bull test continue to grow? Uh, you know, as pe more people, I guess, come to the table and wanted to put bulls in the test or even wanted to buy them from the test because they know the quality that's coming out of there? I would say that our quality continues to improve because cattle in general continue to improve. As far as the number of bulls we test, that has dropped. And I think that's largely because there's a lot of opportunity to sell bulls a different way whether it's on the internet or over the phone or, or by word of mouth or shows or however people do it, those opportunities are expanding. Back when I started testing bulls there in the middle 80s, we had a 300 nominations for 150 spots. And now we're, we're pretty close to 85 nominations and we don't have to sort too hard to fill that up and we're in good place. But again, trying to market whatever gets brought down there, uh, that, that's a different deal than trying to, to sell two thirds of what's brought down there. So our limit is how many bulls can you sell in Southern Wisconsin is about what it comes to. Definitely. Well, and I'm glad you bring up that topic of, you know, the adaptation and changing, I guess, of marketing the bulls and marketing them in different ways. I guess you mentioned talking about, you know, the last two years with everything that's been going on, you haven't actually been able to bring people to the sale in Platteville like you would usually. Talk a little bit about, I guess, how you guys adapted and changed what you did to still be able to sell these bulls and now actually how that's kind of working to your advantage. We were in a good spot, better than a lot of bull tests because we had been using DV auction for a number of years. So it wasn't new to us, we didn't have to add them. All we had to do was figure out how to keep the crowd from coming and get all the local people to bid online or on phone. And th that wasn't really very difficult. The university didn't want us to have a crowd there on that day due to the COVID issues. so. We just said, you're going to bid them on the phone and we'll have a phone bank here for you to talk to or you're going to bid online. And we had eight or ten people with cell phones lined up. You call in, you talk to somebody about your purchases or what you think you want to buy. They call you back when your bull's in the ring and, and we do it right one-on-one -on -one in real time. And for the local people, that was comfortable for them. And for the people who had bought online before, they could watch the sale in real time. They could look at the video of the bull that had been done two weeks before. They could follow the auction and bid at will. And it, it has worked out very, very well for us. Now, being that you can sell online and over the phone, those kind of things, have you seen too that your bulls end up going farther, you know, from the test or even from Southern Wisconsin? Or is it still, I mean, obviously they're still probably local, but do you, what does your customer base look like these days? Well, I think we had hoped that it would broaden our, our reach and it has, there's people from all over the country who watch it. Uh, but if you know as well as I do, if you're gonna chase a thousand miles to buy something, you're gonna do a lot more research than look at a video online. So it's, it's, I think it's been a comfort to people to be able to sit in their chair at home, watch the video and see those bulls before sale day, get an idea of what they like or don't like. Uh, there are people who watch, we have always sold bulls 
to, to four or five or six states, and, and that's been for the last 40 or 50 years, and we continue to do that. But I would say that there's been a little more competition for the better bulls in the sale now, given that they can see these bulls multiple times in different settings. Definitely. Now, I guess for customers, maybe they're return customers that have bought you know, bulls before, or maybe they've never actually even attended the test, but are in need of a bull. I guess, what can you say to the customers to, I guess, instill the confidence that, you know, there's going to be quality bulls there to come look at, or, you know, answer any questions that they might have about the bull test and why they should come and check them out. Well, the bull test in general is something, if you want to sit down and visit about that, our, our catalog is online, www.wisconsinbeef.com. Uh, all the contact information for the various people and the various board members is on the inside front page. Call somebody up and visit. We all like to talk about cattle. I think the important thing to realize when you're looking at what we provide as Wisconsin Beef Improvement is we provide the screening process. The bulls are all semen tested. The bulls are all confirmation scored. The bulls are all gain evaluated. They've been ultrasounded. Uh, they're hip heighted. They're weighed on a regular basis. They're weighed in, they're weighed out. You've got average daily gain. You've got weight per day of age. All the data that we can think of that's pertinent is available to you. And if you go to somebody's on-farm location, he's got 10 bulls in his pen. He wants to sell all 10 of those bulls. As beef improvement, we want to sell all the bulls too, but it's up to you to decide which ones you want to buy. And, and we let the buyer make the decision. We provide the information. You decide what you want. That again was Alan Arndt, president of the Wisconsin Beef Improvement Association's Bull Test. Whether you're a breeder looking to sell bulls or a buyer looking for your next herd sire, this time-tested program is a great one to get involved with. Again, the sale will be held this Saturday, April 2nd, on the Pioneer Farm at UW-Platteville. Sale starts at 11 a.m. If you're looking to find more information about the bull test or view the catalog and videos on the bulls prior to the sale, be sure to visit wisconsinbeef.com or give Alan or any of the other directors a call and they'd be happy to chat with you. We'll be right back to take a look at our commodity markets this morning before we get a chance to talk with John Heinberg of Total Farm Marketing. I've had the opportunity to be involved in several programs in the Wisconsin Farm Bureau, one of which was the Farm Bureau Institute. It's a great leadership program to help develop leadership skills, whether it's social media skills or the opportunity to speak to legislators and learn different ways and tools you can use to help get your message across. WFBF.com. They've really helped my leadership develop. A voice for farmers, a vision for agriculture, Wisconsin Farm Bureau. Rural Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. Wisconsin winters are a polarizing experience. You either love them or you want to leave them. Be sure to enter the Rural Mutual Insurance Love It or Leave It sweepstakes, where each week you can win prizes by voting for the things you love and dread about winter. Visit us at RuralMutual.com to vote. Rural Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. Before we get into our commodity markets here this morning, the Wisconsin Department of Agriculture, Trade, and Consumer Protection continues its work with local, state, and federal partners and contractors to safely depopulate and compost poultry from that Jefferson County flock confirmed with highly pathogenic avian influenza. They've now set up an avian influenza response call line to facilitate answering questions from the public. You can give them a call at 608 224 4902. Callers can leave a message with their questions or concerns. Those messages are checked daily from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. You can also visit their HBAI page on the Wisconsin DATCAT website for more updates and information about the situation. 
Now let's go ahead and take a look at our commodity markets here this morning on Tuesday, March 29th. Cash corn currently down three and three quarters, while new crop corn is down one and a half at 663. Cash soybeans up five, a new crop soybeans up four at 1472 and three quarters. The May wheat contract currently up eight and a quarter, while the new crop July contract is up six and three quarters at 1058 and a quarter. The April milk contract currently sits at 2360 a hundredweight, that's up seven cents, while the May contract is up 13 cents at 2429 a hundredweight. Yesterday, barrel cheese finished at 225, unchanged. 40 pound blocks down one and a half at 226, and double A butter down five and three quarters at 273 and three quarters. There's a quick look at your commodity markets. Be sure to stick around and hear from our friend John Heinberg, broker with Total Farm Marketing here this morning, right after this short break. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Steffes Group is conducting the Sheboygan County, Wisconsin Dairy and Farmland Auction near Sheboygan, Wisconsin. This timed online auction closes Tuesday, April 5th at 1 p.m., selling 252-plus acres to be sold in five tracks. Tract 1 has a modern dairy facility, a house, and other outbuildings. Tract 2 has a single-family home. The other three tracks feature farmland acreage. Go to steffesgroup.com right now for drone photos and complete descriptions for this auction near Sheboygan, closing Tuesday, April 5th. That's S-T-E-F-F-E-S group.com. Whenever you make a major purchase, there's always that little voice in your head asking questions like, are you sure? Is this the right one for me? Bergstrom Automotive turns the what ifs into why not with the seven day buyback guarantee. That's one full week to get to know your vehicle. Is it as large as you anticipated? Maybe you want more power in heavy traffic. Maybe you find out the neighbors just bought the same make, model, and color that you just purchased. Whatever the reason, at Bergstrom, if you don't love it, simply bring it back. Not every dealership offers a seven-day buyback guarantee. Then again, Bergstrom Automotive isn't an ordinary dealership. Bergstrom believes you shouldn't have to listen to that little voice that questions your buying decision. They just want you to feel giddy with freedom, just like you did when you bought your very first one. Love it or bring it back at Bergstrom Automotive. Join the Bergstrom These days, vehicles are powered by many different sources. Tom's Auto Center repairs them all. Tom and Tom of Tom's Auto Center. Gas, electric, diesel, and hybrids. Plus, we offer free pickup and delivery within a 10-mile radius. And a loaner car if you need one. Tom'sAutoCenter.com Tom's Auto Center Off Highway 51 in McFarland, a stone's throw from McDonald's. Here we use a lot of F-words, food, fiber, and farming. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Well, we're here now with our friend John Heinberg, Market Advisor with Total Farm Marketing. John, I guess the first thing we'll talk about here this morning, this uh, coming up this week, we have the report coming out of the USDA that might affect some things going on in our grain markets. 
Yeah, the highly anticipated uh, quarterly grain stocks, as well as the planning intentions reports coming out here on th on Thursday on the 31st. So it's going to be something the market's been talking about for a long time, especially with the way the supply situation looks globally, the demand globally. You know, where's that U.S. crop possibly going to be at? You know, the big focus, obviously, in terms of media and social media, and everybody's going to be those acres. Expect corn acres to be around 92 million, soy about 88.7 million acres, which combined is going to be one of the largest numbers uh, historically uh, for both corn and soybeans together. So we'll have to see how that kind of comes out. The sleeper number could be the grain stocks number. That's always the one that just tells us what's the available supply out there. You know, soybean, uh, we pretty much know. We know the shipments. We know the crush levels. Corn, same thing there. We know the exports. We know what we use for ethanol grind. But then we always have that feed usage component. And, you know, something that's coming flying under the radar because everything else going on globally has been the, the impact of, you know, the avian flu coming across the United States. You know, that's up to 14 and a half million birds as of a number I saw yesterday, and which is one of the, th the third largest outbreak ever. You know, that does come into the feed demand side as well as the weather we had over the wintertime in terms of feeding hogs and pigs and the, fe and the feedlots. Definitely. Well, and I'm glad you bring up too, you know, we talk about the global scale of things because yes, we can look at what's going on here at home and those kind of things. But when we look at the global scale, what's going on in, in other countries, that really affects what's going on here as well. We've had a lot of spillover effects in terms of price because obviously the Russian-Ukraine conflict and what's happened there on both input side as well as the output side. And, you know, seeing prices globally, the just markets just trying to digest how much of that crop out of the Ukraine region and, and the Black Sea is going to be available to the world. Now, it does sound like they're starting to get some movement going again in terms of some rail shipments of wheat. So that's some of the reason maybe we saw some of the pressure on the wheat market yesterday, as well as just to improve a little bit of weather conditions down in the southern planes uh, coming, you know, picking up some moisture in Kansas. That was kind of key for that crop there, even though it is still well behind where it needs to be in terms of quality. But uh, yeah, the global scale has really put the importers on a bit of a, you know, a, aggressive path here, trying to lock in supplies. Obviously, that we saw that price jump in February and the March because of that conflict. Now it seems like the market's starting to stabilize a little bit in that standpoint, and maybe we're at a point where price is slowing down some of the demand side of the equation. You know, so that's something we got to really see going forward. Forward. Now, these numbers, you know, coming out on Thursday will give us some direction in terms of where our crop could be. And if those numbers aren't where we need them in terms of both those corn and soybean acres, also the global supplies are going to get concerned again and possibly see some improvement on price. If they're heavy, it could be the other way around. So it could be a pretty volatile day on Thursday. Definitely. Well, and I think one thing we'll also touch on before we're done here, you know, on a global scale energy demand as well. And some of the things that maybe even COVID might be rearing its head and not maybe the United States, but elsewhere. Yeah, that was one of the triggers that uh, the difficult day yesterday, especially in the soybean market, was the drop in crude oil prices. You know, Shanghai came out with COVID restrictions, and now it's hitting 28 million people. It's just a small portion of the population, but at the same time, it does bring those demand concerns in, in a volatile market like crude oil. You know, you see things move very quickly, and that just seemed to spill over the whole commodity space yesterday, just putting pressure on things, especially the grains here. With that report coming this week, plus don't forget, it's end of the month, end of the quarter, and that a lot of times can bring some money flow out of certain uh, certain uh, commodities that may have some strength in them. Definitely, for sure, for sure. Well, again, that's John Heinberg, Market Advisor with Total Farm Marketing. Again, if you want to get a hold of him, TotalFarmMarketing.com or 800-334-9779. Thank you very much, John, and we will talk to you again. Do you love maple syrup? Ever thought of making your own? 
Blaine's Farm and Fleet makes it easy with just a few key items. Stop in today for some friendly advice and all the supplies you need to tap and gather your sap. 